On today's episode of the Books Travel Live podcast, I'll discuss Lean In, Women Work, and The Will to Lead by Sheryl Sandberg. I'll also discuss a trip I took to Memphis, Tennessee, as well as what I've discovered as I've began to research coffee and opening my own coffee shop. That and more on today's show. On the book segment today, I'm going to talk about the book Lean In, Women, Work, and The Will to Lead by Sheryl Sandberg. My first impression of this book was it was going to be a complete feminist manifesto. It even states that in the book, but it really wasn't that at all. And if it would have been, it would have been fine too. But uh, I was kind of um, glad that she addressed that that's not what the book was going to be about at the very beginning. But I believe that the whole entire book encourages all readers to become better leaders, employees, people, and parents even. So here are my top 10 takeaways from the book. The first one, I want to begin with a few thoughts on equality, or what she refers to as the imposter syndrome. She states early in the book that knowing things could be worse should not stop us from trying to make them better. She also talks about how the promise of equality is not the same as true equality. And then she asks this monumental question, if we all had the answer, or if we all went with our instincts about how we felt and how we lived our lives, what would you do if you weren't afraid, and then go do it? Takeaway two, I totally love this concept and this idea in the words that she uses here. Careers are a jungle gym, not a ladder. A survey in 2010 found that the average American had 11 jobs from the time they were 18 to the time that they were 46 years of age. Takeaway three, success is making the best choices we can and accepting them. Do the best you can with what you've got. Takeaway four, done is better than perfect. Sometimes we get started on something and then we just we quit doing it because it, it's not perfect. It's not the way that we envisioned it to be. But completing the task is what's more important than having a perfect finished product. So done is better than perfect. Takeaway five. It is impossible to control all the variables when it comes to parenting. Set obtainable goals. There are times where, as parents, we have this ideal situation mapped out in our head and it goes totally different directions. So, again, just taking that idea of setting obtainable goals. Takeaway six, don't be afraid to ask, even if it seems like a long shot. Every job will demand a sacrifice. The key is to avoid unnecessary sacrifice. This is extremely hard because our society values complete dedication. I worked for an employer once who wanted complete dedication. Regardless of what I did, I could not do things right. If I said no to something, he bowled up, so there's just different different things, or I get, maybe it was generational differences on the expectation. But most people, especially in our society, want complete dedication. Takeaway seven: In the current business model, we are told to fit in versus disrupting the status quo. I love what a lot of companies are starting to do with allowing people to work part time at home and part time in the office, giving them that flexibility. 
And I, it, I'm sure whenever this concept was first addressed, it really disrupted the status quo because you're supposed to go to the office nine to five, five days a week, put in that overtime and things like that instead of having that flexibility built into where people can work from home. So this idea of uh, disrupting the status quo. Takeaway eight, the simple act of talking openly about behavioral patterns makes the subconscious conscious. Takeaway nine, all of us, men and women alike, have to understand and acknowledge how stereotypes and biases cloud our beliefs and perpetuate the status quo. Instead of ignoring our differences, we need to accept them and transcend them. So understanding the differences, that's, that's the first step. But once we've understood, understood our differences, we need to accept them and then transcend them. Takeaway 10. Equal opportunity is not equal unless everyone receives encouragement that makes seizing those opportunities possible. Only then can both men and women achieve their full potential. These takeaways from, from the book are just a, a, a brushing of what I took away from the book. And I encourage uh, you to pick it up, whether you're a male, female, even a teenager, just to look at and see what research-based evidence that this book has about the changing workforce, especially here in America. And now a word from today's sponsor. Do you have an unfinished creative work in your life? Are you starting a creative project? Are you overwhelmed, blocked, or uncertain? Are you struggling with where to go next? Live Happy Life Coach can help you overcome creative blocks that stand in the way of completing your projects, inspire you to think bigger and work more productively, overcome fears, doubts, and anxiety that distract our creative minds. For more information on Live Happy Life Coach, click the Life Coaching tab on BooksTravelLife.com. Now back to today's show. For today's travel segment, I'm going to discuss a trip that I took to Memphis, Tennessee a few years back. Memphis is just a beautiful town along the river and was able to, uh, I've traveled to Memphis twice now, but the first time I I really was able to spend some time uh, in the city and see a variety of different things. And the first thing I want to talk about is the National Civil Rights Museum. And the National Civil Rights Museum actually is in the location or the hotel that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated at, April 4th of 1968. And the hotel is still remains like it was that fateful day over 50 years ago. The exhibits within the Lorraine Hotel and then it also connects to the boarding house from where the shots came from. So a really neat um, place to take the kids to see a, a piece of history. There's a wreath hanging from the balcony in which King was standing where he was shot as well as um, old uh, period call, cars from the 1960s were uh, are still in the parking lot. The fee to get into the museum is $15 for adults and 12 for kids. Definitely well worth the money. A great history lesson for the kids. The second place that I want to, uh, to talk about is Beale Street. This is probably what Memphis is known for is the jazzy sounds that come from Beale Street. The two times I've been to Memphis, it was during the day, so I really never got to experience the evening. Uh, life on the street, but we stopped at um, a Schwab Trading Company, had a, a old-time soda fountain, and we browsed their one-of-a-kind merchandise while we were there. There's tons of barbecue places to eat. I can't remember the place uh, that we ate, and I don't think it's still still there, but we had probably the best barbecued ribs I've ever 
ate at that place. And I wish I knew the name of it, but I, I can't remember. The third place that we went to was Graceland, Elvis's home, and also where he is buried. And one of the things I always joke about with my students is Elvis is still alive, guys. He's living in the top floor of Graceland. Well, Graceland, whenever we visited, you're not allowed to go on that second floor. So um, the king might still be alive and he might be up there. Uh, I talked to several people in Memphis that believe the king is still alive. Um, I beg to differ, but um, but there are those um, conspiracy and nuts out there that, that truly believe that uh, the king is still alive. The house is still in its condition in which Elvis lived in it, uh, the carpets, the, the different rooms that he had, the three TV sets tuned to the three national news uh, back in the 1960s, CBS, NBC, and ABC. It was just all a really neat um, atmosphere. A lot of Elvis's awards are still on the walls of his uh, his room and the the rec room that is located um, on the back of the house. The swimming pool's there. And then the grave site, which is very solemn. Um, there's always flowers. When we visited, there were people still crying um, at the at the grave site. You know, just reading some of the things that people leave. Um, it, it's quite an emotional experience. So Graceland is definitely worth the money and the time. Across the street is more commercialized, where they have a museum also dedicated to Elvis. They have Elvis's airplane, his limousines, and different things to see. So it's for, for um, all kids, uh, for adults. Really need to see a lot of the history of the, the king of rock and roll. So make a trip to Memphis and see Graceland. The last thing I want to talk about, which I had no idea that this was even a thing until I was talking to a parts guy at a Ford dealership. And... One of the things that um, that I learned from this guy is that there's a hotel called the Peabody Hotel. And he was telling me about these ducks that come out during the day. They march out on red carpet, and then they swim around in the fountain, and then they, they the bellboy blows the whistle, and they get out of the fountain, and then they walk back on the red carpet. So I got looking into it, and we stopped there, and sure enough, there were ducks that march uh, with a bellboy, and then they go swim during the day, and then they go back out at 5 in the evening. So I did a little research on this, and back in the 1930s, Frank Shutt, the manager of the Peabody, and his friend Chip Barwick uh, went to on a hunting trip to Arkansas. Uh, they had a little bit too much uh, Tennessee whiskey, and thought it would be funny to put place their live duck decoys um, in the Peabody Fountain. So the three small English call ducks were selected as the guinea pigs, and the reaction was majorly enthusiastic, which began the tradition of what would be uh, become internationally famous. The story then kind of goes on, and Bellman Edward Pembroke, who is a circus animal trainer, decided to train these ducks to go from the fountain each day and teach them a march. He continued to do that for 50 years until he retired in 1991. Today you can continue to see the ducks 90 years after they began marching in the Peabody Lobby from 11 to 5 each day. So if you get the chance, something unique, uh, something free, 
Go check out the Peabody. The hotel is beautiful. The lobby is beautiful. And the ducks will be there waiting. Books Travel Life strives to create harmony in the world by sharing our love of reading, exploring, and living. Do you have a suggestion for a book, a place to travel, or a life topic to discuss on the show? Let us know by emailing Jeremy at jeremy at bookstravellife.com. For the life segment, I'm going to continue last week's conversation on coffee, uh, part two of two, at least for right now. I'll talk about coffee again in, in some later segments, but um, I purchased a couple books over the last uh, couple weeks and started studying the history of coffee and the steps that I needed to begin taking to create the vision for a small cafe or possibly even mobile coffee shop. So from what I've studied so far, um, it's kind of uh, daunting that the majority of coffee shops fail. There's really no clear reason, but a multitude of different reasons, which include location, the vision of its founder, the quality, but more importantly, why they exist, understanding their why, the purpose they went into business. Sometimes with our why clarified, we still may fail, but understanding why we do things is paramount to the success in which we do, which goes back to an earlier podcast, 10, where we looked at Simon Sinek's Start With Why book. For me, establishing my why for my shop, as well as creating something unique, will hopefully step me forwards towards success. I believe location is going to be key, but I also think that understanding my why will trump the place of location. As for the history of coffee, I've learned that Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee, and its legend says that Kaldi, a goat herder, a poet by nature, played a note on his pipe to gather the goats. His, one day his goats didn't return whenever he called them back, so he climbed on higher elevation and he heard the bleeding of the goats. He discovered them in the forest canopy on their hind legs eating the leaves and berries. Caldy then ate the leaves and noticed that they left a bitter taste in his mouth. He tried the berries by first chewing them. He noticed that the caffeine fix that the berries produced. Caldy goes back and he tells his father about these magic berries, and that's how, how legend says coffee was discovered. Razi is a Persian physician. He wrote about coffee as early as the 10th century, about its medicinal effects and how it affects the body. But it was probably harvested even hundreds of years before Razi, the physician, had wrote about this. I've got so much to learn about coffee, and it's going to take me a while. Plus, it's going to take a few years to experiment with brewing and someday roasting beans. Do you have a favorite blend of coffee? Do you have a favorite place that you like to go and, and drink coffee? Do you have a favorite coffee shop? What makes it unique? I'd like to hear about your experiences with coffee shops and coffee drinking in general. How you like your coffee. Uh, what makes coffee unique? Send me a message at jeremy at bookstravellife.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Books Travel Life podcast. Look forward to seeing you next week so we can create harmony in the world by sharing the love of reading, exploring, and living. Have a great week.